be the 4S guy. Size, strength, speed, and scholar. Welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner. My name is Walter Beatty, a.k.a. Baseball Lifer, and I extend a happy holiday to you and yours. Thank you for taking the time to join us this evening. This is a highly anticipated uh, Coach's Corner, uh, as is the case most often when we start talking uh, to some of the, what I call the Mount Rushmore of the current college coaching community, takes the time to join us. We, we do get a, a rather overwhelming response. And as is the case with Brian O'Connor, it has been absolutely mind-boggling to me about the amount of people that have submitted questions. I want to make a couple things available to those that are listening and watching. Coach has given us the opportunity to, to answer questions, so we're not going to try to do rapid fire. I do want to allow uh, you know Coach O'Connor to, uh, to answer the questions. First, I want to introduce uh, Coach O'Connor properly. Uh, my biggest thing as a, as a parent, uh, I believe that this whole process that we endure as parents uh, is, is almost a pathway to an understanding of a process. And that's my intention and my mission statement. Approximately, I want to say 12, actually 13 years ago, uh, uh, I got to meet and uh, actually, you know what, it's longer than that, 2008. So it would be 15 years ago that I had the opportunity to travel to Charlottesville as a parent uh, with my youngest son, uh, Tyler, at the time. And I got to experience everything that University of Virginia offers in such a beautiful community of Charlottesville. The three things that absolutely captured both Tyler and myself's attention, best pulled pork sandwich I think we've ever eaten in the history of pulled pork. Charlottesville is arguably one of the top three communities we ever spent an evening or time in. And then there is Brian O'Connor. He makes you feel at ease. He makes you feel as if he is talking specifically with you. I appreciate the time that he is spending during the holiday season with us tonight. 20th year at the University of Virginia. Prior to that, an associate head coach uh, at the University of Notre Dame. And very famously uh, posed for a photo in his hometown area of Creighton University that now sits out in front of Rosenblatt Stadium with the famous portrait. Brian, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, Walter, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's great to see you again, as always. And, you know, I love this. I was excited when you sent the invitation and asked me to do this. And I just I, I love talking to people about uh, the great opportunity in the sport of baseball as, you know, as, as young people move and matriculate from youth to high school and then on to college and and, uh, you know, Walter, is you, I know you agree with this. There's so, such great opportunity out there, you know, whether it's Division One, Two, Three, Junior College, NIA, NAI, whatever it might be. There's, there's great opportunity. And, you know, we just want to help, help young people and help families, uh, you know, create opportunities for themselves and, and, and realize their potential. So thanks for having me on. You're very, very welcome. And, and one of the biggest things, and, and people that have followed me for a while, uh, and Brian knows because we've discussed this uh, in the past. I am a firm believer as a parent that you should be, as a student athlete, a prospective college caliber student athlete, trading athletic ability for academic excellence should be kind of at the top of that list. I think that should be number one. Baseball has a finite period of time, you know, and education lasts a lifetime. 
You know, if I take the University of Virginia now, I followed this program intently as a parent and even know its history over the last 15 years. We're talking about over 90 student athletes that have been drafted. And I believe approximately 30, 29 to 30, that have become big leaguers. But at the end of the day, each of those, unless I'm mistaken, owns or has a University of Virginia degree. And at the end of the day, that's what matters most. And so, Brian, I want to start there. How does one, uh, you know, as far as for an aspiring college student athlete, how are they going to capture, whether it's Coach McMullen or yourself, at what point do they capture your attention or do you want to capture their, get get in front of that student athlete? Well, Walter, as, as, as you know, in the game of uh, college recruiting, it's, it has started earlier and earlier. So it's, it's hard to say exactly uh, what somebody's timetable is and when do we want to first evaluate uh, somebody. It, I think if you ask any uh, college coaches, they'd rather wait until as late as possible because so we can get a better, truer understanding of you know, what we're going to get. My, my first year here as the coach at Virginia 20 years ago, you'll recall that was back when players were still waiting and taking official visits their senior year and making right. their decision their senior year. And uh, we, we all know how that's changed over two decades and it's moved so much earlier. And, you know, we, we identify them as, as early as, as we possibly can that it, that it, uh, that it makes sense, you know, that, um, you know, so we're, you know, we're, we're starting to see players as young as, as eighth grade. Now we're not going out to junior high baseball games, but you know, we'll run across in some of these top tournaments and things like that. Some of the better teams on the Eastern seaboard, and we'll lay our eyes on them and you know, we'll start to watch them their freshman year. And, and, and the, the important thing is Walter is everybody's on a different timetable. I think that's one of the challenges for young people out there in this game that, you know, because of social media and everything, they see, you know, young players committing in eighth and ninth grade and 10th grade and, you know, not everybody's on that track. And some of the, the great players that we have signed in, in our program's history were like the last one or two players in the recruiting class. The great Chris Taylor, who plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers, right. he was the last player we added in that recruiting class, you know, and it was late in the recruiting uh, time frame. And so because we had a better chance to see him and watch him to, to develop. So, you know, I, Certainly, you want young people to be competitive as early as possible, but they don't have to feel the pressure that they have to perform. And this, this, the scholarships and the opportunities are only there for freshmen and sophomores. Keep working, keep grinding, and everybody's time frame is, is different. Well, now that's going to lead me into the uh, – I would say I received well over 100 emails or messages on this topic. And the question is, Coach, could you tell there are two types of camps that UVA uh, submits or sends out emails or, or snail mails. One is called the Become a Cavalier Camp and the other is called the High School, high school Prospect Camp. Right. At what ages would you like to see the campers be? Would you like to see them in the eighth and ninth grade? Would you like to see them later in the process? Uh, how do you feel about uh, those that should be attending your camps? Well, I, I think w whether it's University of Virginia or 
any school, Walter, one of the really great values about attending a college camp of a, of a school that a young player is interested in is, I mean, I can tell you how we run our camps. Everybody runs them differently that our coaches are there. You yes. know, if you come to one of our camps in the fall, if you, we have a camp in January, all of our coaches were there. We had one in December and every one of our coaches were there, were there for two days working with the camper. So it is a great opportunity, no matter what school it is, to get a chance to interact with a college baseball coach of the school you're interested in. And there is terrific value in that. Our campers, when they come visit us, they leave the University of Virginia and they can walk away and tell mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, whoever brought them there, that whether they really like our program or don't. And there's value in that because of how early the recruiting process is to be able to interact with a college coaching staff, you're going to leave after that weekend with a pretty good understanding of if you do end up possessing the skill to play there, whether or not um, that's the right place for you. So the difference between those two camps is, is the size of them, candidly. You know, our Become a Camp Cavalier camp is capped at about 35, 40 players. Uh, we put the kids on two teams. They actually dress in our locker room. They actually have one of our lockers, wear our uniforms and things like that. And it's a more of a smaller, more intimate camp versus a larger one, a prospect camp that might be double the amount of campers uh, that are that are in it. So uh, there's, there's kind of the difference. And then we have uh, camps in the fall and in the, in the winter as well, have about 12 of them throughout the year. And it, again, like I said, uh, about 30%, 30 to 40% of our roster every year at some point attended one of our camps. Now, it might have been when they were in seventh or eighth grade, and we said, boy, that young player, he's got some pretty good skill. And then we saw him two or three years later and remember that he went to our camp. You know, Walter, I got to tell you, after with being here 20 years, you know what's happened over the last uh, you know, five to eight years is, you know, we have committed players. I've offered a player before and mom or dad has showed me a picture on their phone and said, coach, do you remember this? Well, this is when Billy was in your youth camp when he was six years old. Right. And so I'm a firm believer in camps for coaches because you have a chance to make an impact on young people, not only teach the Bingo. game, but eventually it can lead to recruiting. Right. So, I think you just nailed it right there. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, Brian, I can tell you the kind of impact to this day. Now, we attended two UVA camps, Tyler and myself. Yeah. And I will tell you, to this day, uh, and just for point of reference for all candor and honesty, Tyler's decision was UVA and Vanderbilt. It, it just came down to those two schools. They clicked. They resonated. To this day, he will tell me he remembers you shaking his hand in the dugout and knowing his name. Mm. You know, when he was in just, a, I believe he was an eighth, ninth grader. He was a ninth grader. It was one of the fall camps. He flew down after a Friday night football game. And on the flight home, he said, Dad, he didn't ask me my name. He knew my name and I didn't wear a name tag. So those are the types of things when you talk about making an impact. I try to stress to parents. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And college camps, regardless of whether you'll never play at that level or not, you're creating a moment. You're creating a memory. And so when you see UVA on television, hey, I know I met Coach O'Connor. He shook my hand. 
those are the types of things that can alter futures. You don't know. Your son may not grow up to be a, a player at the higher levels, meaning professionally, but they could become a coach. They could become uh, involved in, in youth uh, sports, sports management. So those are what camps are really for, to interact and see what a day in the life with that particular coaching staff is all about. And, and so on that note, Brian, I, I have a, a bunch of questions that are rolling in. And the next one really pertains to how do you feel about emails? In other words, are you opening student athletes' emails? Are you watching these videos? Would you, would you prefer an introductory email before the video or would a combination of both suffice? I would say a combination of both, Walter. Um, you know, we... We, we, we have a team of people, obviously, assistants and, um, you know, office, uh, young office people that help us manage, manage all this. But I, I think an email to the coach that's direct, brief, gives short information, you know, what high school do they go to, where do they play, you know, if they play travel ball, you know, things like that. And then a very, very short, brief video. A lot of people have switched to uh, YouTube links. Because yes. I'll tell you, you know, Walter, the first thing we do is we see or hear about a player that we like. Either if we see him with our own eyes or somebody calls us and tells us about him. The first thing we do is get online and Google him and see if there's any videos on there on him out there. Right. I mean, it, it, there's great information. And so young people that aspire to play at the next level of baseball should, you know, with the, with their iPhones or whatever they have now, you know, to, to be able to record their swings or their, their pitching or fielding ground balls or run into first base or catchers throwing a second is really easy to do. Keep it short, keep it concise so the court coaches can see, you know, the skill level a little bit and see the swing or see how he fields ground balls. And, and that certainly can help. Not many people are going to commit and sign players off video, but it can lead to them spending the time going and seeing the player. Well, on that note, now the follow-up question to that is when you're identifying a player, do you have, you know, back in my day when dinosaurs roamed the earth, we didn't have travel ball. We had American Legion. We had high school, and then you had a trial for American Legion. And American Legion represented that, I guess, high school all-stars, for lack of a better term. Are you still involved in any type of recruiting pertaining to American Legion, high school, that may not be just simply all travel baseball. Yes, uh, some, a very small percentage. Uh, I'd say high school ball, yes, quite a bit. You know, we can, you know, whether it's here in Charlottesville or we can drive down the road an hour to Richmond and see really great players that we recruit all the time, an hour and 45 minutes in Northern Virginia. So we'll see high school teams play in the spring in and around our schedule. Uh, so that's still a very, very important part. Um, you know, there, there is such a high percentage of, of young people playing uh, travel ball now. So, you know, American Legion, depending on what state it is, you know, I mean, if you're recruiting a player from, you know, Minnesota, there's a pretty good chance that he might still be playing American Legion. But uh, sadly, I feel, Walter, it's kind of dying out. And, um, you know, but from time to time, there is young players, young people that are playing outside of the travel baseball, but it's pretty rare nowadays. Okay. So that would, the next question there would be, is there any particular part of the country geographically that you tend to focus on? Do you focus coast to coast? Is it just on the East coast? A lot of parents, especially from the Northeast, my neck of the woods up here in 
the frozen tundra of the Boston area. Do you tend to look in one geographical area or are you open to any and all student athletes that fit your academic and athletic requirements? Well, we're, we're open to anyone and everyone that said, you have the manpower to, you have to focus on certain areas. And then there's outliers. I mean, we had, we had an infielder that played in our program that went to high school, grew up and went to high school in, in Tokyo, Japan. Right. I mean, we've had Canadian players. We've had players from the West coast um, all, all over. Uh, a lot of times outside of our geographical region, there's a connection maybe that led us, led uh, that player to us. We're going because we're the state institution of Virginia. We're going to, you know, we're going to have a half of our players, close to half, are going to be in state. And then there's a big portion from the Eastern Seaboard. So we'll have players, a lot of players from the Northeast down to Florida. And then, you know, we'll, we've had Texas, California players before, but like I said, they might have come to our camp and we saw them, or there was a, a relationship or a connection. Um, you know, a lot of those areas, we're not going to go and sit and scout in those areas. We're going to try to really focus where we've been good historically. Well, I kind of know the answer to this, but the question just came in, and I think it's a, a perfect point here now. What do you feel makes UVA special? Um, mm -hmm. I don't want to answer this because I think it's really unique for parents to hear a college coach uh, talk about their staff, their school. But what do you think makes UVA a special place for a student, a prospective student athlete and their family? Well, I think there's, 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 a, there's a lot of schools that can uh, profess this, but I really believe it. I, and we back it up that it's, 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 it's one of those rare combinations. I believe Walter that um, you can get elite level academics and an elite level baseball program. Um, you know, so I, I certainly the conference is great, the competition, all those kind of things. There's a there's a history of player development of not only winning games on the field, but also, you know, players moving on to professional baseball and ultimately the major leagues. So this is a place. The University of Virginia is 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 a proven track record of a place for young people that they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to compromise anything. They, they want to earn one of the great degrees that they can get in this country while they're working every day to have the best possible experience they can have as a team, but then also individually put themselves in a position to realize their dreams and hopefully lead on to the, the major leagues. And the young people that we recruit, that's what they want. And they want to play in a successful program in front of a good crowd and earn a great degree and and have a chance to realize their dream. So that's what they that's what they get here. And, um, you know, finally, I would tell you, Walter, that, um, you know, I just I really believe that they're going to be coached with and worked with and talked to the right way. Right. Um, you know, I have three children of my own. Everybody on my staff has children. And, um, you know, it, you know, I. I when we work with players and educate players and uh, deal with players that, you know, you deal with them and treat them as if they're the ones that are living right underneath your house, your, your roof. So uh, they'll be treated the right way and they'll have a chance to realize their potential, whatever it, that might be. Well, one of the things I always tell parents, especially in my neck of the woods with regard to UVA, unless you've seen and been in Charlottesville, there is not another area in the country like it. I mean, it is 
all about the University of Virginia. It's colorful, uh, the social academics. But as a parent and a former coach, sitting and watching a practice, listening to Coach Matt, Coach Kevin McMullen, and Brian O'Connor, former pitching coach at the time, it was very, uh, as a parent, it was very enlightening to listen to the care level. They weren't barking a a kind of a monotone message. There was a lot of care involved. And I really, really, as a parent, that's a separator for me with regard to choosing a, helping my son at the time choose a potential university. The next question that comes in, this is kind of a touchy subject. So I want to preface it by saying, I, I think we've gotten well over 40 of these transfer portal JUCO transfer, high school student-athlete, postgraduate student-athlete, how do they fit into the UVA recruiting process? They all, they all fit, Walter. We've had them all. Um, and this goes back to us talking earlier that everybody's on a different track, right? right? I mean, yes, there's the, the young 14-year-old phenoms that are great at that age and commit to schools. And, you know, there's the late bloomers. There's the players that need to go to um, – a junior college. There's a player that that decides to reclassify and gain another year and and get stronger and then move on after that. Um, so we've had some really great junior college players here that have filled a role in a need. You know, maybe we you know we lost our shortstop and need to go get somebody that has some experience or a catcher or something like that. Um, you know, we've we have the last two years benefited from the transfer portal. I, you know, pretty much everybody has in college baseball to some level. Uh, We are going to use the transfer portal to supplement what we do. I'm a firm believer that our, our foundation is built on the development of the high school player and that will not change. Uh, I believe that um, that's, we have historically done a pretty good job with that. And I love the idea of the player coming in as a freshman and getting experience and moving on as, as a sophomore and then a junior and, and just watching them continue to develop and mature into what they ultimately become. That said, we're going to do what's best at the point in time for our program. So we're, we're, we're always looking, we're never closing any doors and, you know, we're, we're going to fill needs as we see, uh, see fit. For example, we, you know, we, we lost, 80% of our innings on the mound out off last year. And we had some real pretty talented freshman pitchers come in that are freshmen at Virginia right now. But, you know, we needed to supplement that with some guys that had some experience out of, out of the portal. And we did that. And that was to fill a need. Some years we won't do that as much as we did this year. So it'll just vary. And a lot of great opportunities out there. And there's not one right path. You know, um, if he's not ready – Junior college is a great option. Amen. Right? You know, there, there's there's a lot of great opportunity out there. I just want to reemphasize: there is no script. There there are no directions. Nobody has the answers. I I promise you, everybody's timing in life pertaining to growth mentally and physically is different. It's very unique. So please, JUCO is not a bad thing. The portal is not a bad thing. Postgraduate is not a bad thing. Every school, every year, a, a different situation arises. So don't try to put things in order. No school is following one set script. So, Brian, 
I have parents that are asking me if, and I know you've had multi-positional players, players that pitched and hit, hit and pitched. Mm. At what point should parents kind of, I guess, steer their student athlete into being a PO or a hitter? Or is that just something, allow the process to take care of itself at whatever level it, it, it transpires? Yeah, I, I think you have to allow the process to take care of itself and not make those decisions too, too early. You know, I'm uh, Walter, I'm a big believer in athleticism, being versatile. Uh, we've had a lot of success of, as of those with those two way type players here over 20 years. And, right. and, you know, some of them came in and everybody recruited Sean Doolittle as a as a, you know, a, as a pitcher. You know, he came to Virginia and he left as a first round pick as a hitter with the Oakland A's, but right. also pitched for three years and got hurt as a position player, became, went back and was a pitcher and has pitched in the big leagues for a long time. So, you know, I, I, I tell young people, do everything you can for as long as you can. And then the game sorts that out. It right. really sorts it out at our level. It takes a special individual to be able to do both at this level and do them both as long as the game and your coach thinks it's that you can still do it. It's like multiple sports, right? And I, I don't know that we want to go down that. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, but, we do. But, you know, it's, it's like do as much as you can for as long as you can uh, because there's so many advantages to it. You know, a, a pitcher also playing shortstop or playing the outfield, well, the athleticism – and versatility that it takes to play shortstop and field ground balls and, and the pressure and, you know, being in that batter's box, you know, then when you're on the mound, you know how hard it is to be in that batter's box. And there's values, value to that. So I'm a believer in doing everything you can for as long as you can. But obviously, I, I understand the specialization that, that goes on now and, and everybody's got to do what they need to do. Having some parents ask me if you could take a few minutes to describe the culture of UVA, what your team culture, what, what are you cultivating as far as when student athletes arrive on campus in Charlottesville, kind of take us through the freshman integration into that upperclassman. What's the culture like that you teach at UVA? Well, it's, it's, it, it's driven on the, you know, the foundation of holding young people accountable to a, a really high standard, Walter, in everything they do, how they represent themselves and their family on the field, in the classroom, off the field. And our responsibility as the leaders of the program and also the other players are to hold the players and everybody accountable, you know, to, uh, uh, to, to that to that standard and you know it's just a you know as you know your your son went through it the, the the development process of a young person between the ages of 18 and 22 is amazing it really is and and I and, and I take that responsibility very very seriously and so um, you know our culture is a serious culture you know if you want to win and accomplish the things and develop and uh, in all the areas like our players say they do, and that's why they come here. Well, there's that, that comes with a lot of responsibility. So, um, you know, holding them accountable, talking, teaching players about how to, how to make adjustments, how to be adaptable. You know, young people need to learn how to, 
um, how to be adaptable. And, and, and what is that, right? I mean, they're going to fail a lot. You know, we get these young players that come in here that were great players wherever they were at and they come in, in, in this, in this clubhouse and on this team and they look around and wow, this guy's good. This guy's good. And, you know, but you create a culture that helps them move through that and them ultimately develop and be great as well. So, you know, they, they have, they have uh, accountability partners, you know, mentors that, you know, within the team, um, you know, we put them in a really structured environment, you know, everything, everything we do, Walter is very, very detailed. It's planned out the days planned out what they're going to do at practice there, there's no loose ends. You know, I just, uh, when you're dealing with 35 young men together and our whole organization's about 50, you got to be buttoned up and detailed. And I ask them to be that way. And um, it's, it's what they came here for. And I believe a culture like that, then when they walk out our doors after three or four years, they are ready to stand on their own two feet and fight for what they want in life. And if we have done that as coaches, as leaders of the program, we have done our job. I don't guarantee that they're going to play in the major leagues. They may or may not go to Omaha, but there's a pretty good chance that those things happening. Okay. But they are going to be, leave a man, a man that can stand on their own two feet and, you know, be successful. Just coming from a parent's perspective, that's powerful. And that's the message that should resonate from this evening, I hope. Uh, I do want to let parents understand Coach O'Connor has been generous with his time. There's no way I'm going to get to everyone's questions, so I want to apologize in advance. We are going to continue for a few more minutes because some of these questions, I think, really need to be asked specifically to Coach O'Connor. And so I want to ask you a little bit. You know, I've watched your practices, as I've stated earlier. There's a there's an essence of time in your practices, whether it's Kevin, whether it's Coach McMullen, you know, during ground balls, you know, 4.3, 4.4. There's an essence of internal clocks. And when I try to explain this to parents watching the field breathe and understanding the time mechanisms, can you kind of explain to parents that type of temperament and mentality and how it is taught through the repetitions of the, of the practice and not so much, you know, in a lesson driven world of 30 and 45 minute, 60 minute increments, your practices are really geared towards seeing the field breathe and being on time with the game in that moment. Can you kind of touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's structured, it's detailed and it's fast paced. But if you're want to be successful at this level of baseball and beyond, you have to be able to handle that because when you're playing in our league against a great opponent or you're playing in Omaha or you're playing in Yankee stadium, everything can speed up on you, right? Everybody moves faster. Everybody gets down the line faster. Everybody does everything crisper. So what do we have to do in practice? Our practice has to be that way because then when we are, and it's a daily routine, right? Then the game slows down. Then the game is fun. And so we have to prepare that way. 
And there was an adjustment period, Walter, as you know, you know, you get a player that comes in and hasn't been a part of a practice like that. And, but they adjust pretty darn quickly. And then, you know, I, I really believe that that leads to individual success when the player is in the game to perform. And then it certainly leads, leads to, to team success. I want, I want parents to understand, I'm not trying to throw my two cents in here, but when you ask a question, I get a chuckle out of this one particularly. Uh, and maybe you still do it. I assume you still do it. But this question is from a parent of a student athlete that happens to be a catcher. Now, I vividly remember being at a practice where your catchers were at third base um, with a chest protector on, no glove, uh, and a lot of what I call blue dots going their way. Can you talk about, you seem to develop, or there have been several uh, prominent catchers that come from your, is it because they're catching elite pitchers? What is it about UVA and catchers uh, that seem to develop at a higher rate? Yeah, great question. Well, it starts with the recruiting. <laughs> it starts with uh, Coach Mack I, being a former catcher himself. Um, you know, Coach Kirby, our volunteer, who's been our assistant coach for 12 years, he's a former catcher as well, too. Um, you know, we've we've always taken pride in being really, really good on the mound. Uh, that's what's going to give you a chance to be highly successful every year. And with that comes, you better have pretty elite catching. So we put a huge emphasis on it, uh, you know, and, and, and we take the time every day in the development process to develop those guys. I, I happen to believe right now we have one of the elite college catchers in the country right now. And Kyle Teal who's a catcher for the U S national team last summer and a really elite level player from New Jersey. And he's a, he's a junior this year, but you know um, we just, put a big emphasis on it, whether it be in recruiting and also every day in practice and their development. Yeah, sure. They catch high level guys as well, but I think it's how you, how you develop them, how you develop them every day, you know, and whether it be the drills you put them, put them in the, the pressure you put on them, how they're handling pitchers, uh, all of it. And we've always taken, taken pride, Walter, in, have, in having good athletes back there. Bingo. Uh, we've always believed in an athletic catcher. This young man we have right now in Teal is probably arguably might be the most athletic catcher we've had back there. He's, a, he's like a shortstop, you know, playing back there. Reminds me of somebody like Buster Posey. And, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a real bright spot for us. Well, I do want to emphasize one of the takeaways, the word athlete is I can't emphasize enough. And, and as coach O'Connor just stressed, being an, an all-around athlete. You don't have to try and be a specific position player at the age of 8 through 15 or 16 or whatever, even 18, to be honest with you. Being an athlete, adding some you know, athletic diversity, whether it's soccer, hockey, football, what have you, uh, is always good. It's never bad. I don't think it is. Uh, and so rather than me asking that question, I think Coach O'Connor has answered it uh, several times. Coach, I do want to know a lot of parents in the 24 and 25 that have student athletes in the 24 and 25 classes. Are we coming out from the shadow of COVID, the extra year of COVID? Is this now the reemergence of the high school athlete getting on the UVA radar? 
Yeah, I, I boy, I hope so. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I'm I'm right in this, Walter, that we have one more year of COVID years. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, and then those 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 COVID years will be done. And so um, we we've pretty much maintained a solid recruiting class each year, and that's that's typically in the number of you know anywhere from. 10 to 14 in an incoming class high school players and uh, we've maintained consistency with that so you know I'm, I'm i'm hoping you know after this next year that college baseball goes back to somewhat normal from that standpoint that said you know i don't think the transfer portal is going to stop you know i mean we see right now in our in front of us what what football's you know right oh right boy now. yeah well you know, we'll see what the future holds. You know, we'll see. There's there's some important legislation potentially coming down the, the pike here uh, with regards to recruiting. Uh, there's some pretty big legislation pieces that uh, I believe had a, have a pretty darn big chance of of hitting over the next nine months or so that could that could change this whole thing. Can you expand uh, on that? I, I kind of know where you're going with that. And yeah, I, I mean, there's some things out there, Walter, that uh, potentially of um, following the softball lacrosse model where you cannot offer a player until a certain point in time in high school. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's uh, we have not done that in our, in our sport up until now, but you know, I think there's a lot of pressure too. And um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me very, very soon if something like that is adopted and, and um, we're, we're then, the game is allowing those players a couple more years to develop and you can't, you know, offer them until that summer after their, you know, sophomore year in high school. And it gives that couple of extra years. I think that is great. Do do you think. Walter, I got, I got to emphasize this again. Okay. It's because I run into it so many times. It's the feeling of a 15, 16, 17 year old player that looks to his right and left and is frustrated and doesn't understand why he's not committed yet. Right. And so to those players, the parents of those players out there, right. Stay with the development process. Oh yes. Okay. Stay with it. Right. If you're a good player and you continue to stay with it, it, it'll happen for you. Right. And don't get bogged down by everybody that you see on this that is committing so early and those that will that that happens that's fine you stay in your lane you keep working and again i'm going to say it again some of the best players that i have had in my coaching career are the ones that showed up at the end so i think it's important if you could just maybe add don't college coaches universally if somebody blooms their junior year in the summer and into their senior fall there's still time and oh by the way i know there's several pitchers that i see and have worked with that are big strong strapping seniors that throw 90 there's still room at the end for these types of high school athletes correct amen absolutely (laughs) And you, you know what you know what actually happens you know this what actually happens then it's a it's a fight it's a bidding war to get that that exactly. guy exactly 
almost every ev- almost everybody's looking for one more, right? And so it's 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 interesting, you know how how that ends out working out a lot. I know this every summer, we're out there, you know, between looking at players between their junior and senior year in high school, and we're looking for that one more arm. Well, I, I happen to have a, a few of those guys that I grew up with, their parents I grew up with, uh, and they happen to have pitchers uh, that were affected by COVID. You know, they didn't have a high school season for two years. Uh, you know, the physical maturation just showed up. I mean, these guys are six foot six, six foot seven, you know, coming out of Jupiter last fall, throwing 90, 91, 92. Next spring, they're going to be guys throwing 92, 93, 94. There's room at the end. Don't panic. Don't panic. It's yeah. okay. It's going to work out. Yep. So on that note, I just want to – parents are asking, what are college coaches – I'm not talking personally because I don't want to put you in that spot. How do you feel about the perfect game and the PBR and the rankings and all these things? I don't care about it as far as specific players. Just do you think it – do you, does the rankings weigh in your recruiting or you and Matt, Coach McMullen's uh, recruiting process at all? No, it's not. Uh, it, it doesn't. Those are going to, you know, they're not going to influence us at all. You know, Um, hey, listen, every college coach gets on a website or has people that get on a website and look at, all right, who are all the kids that are listed in our region or our state or in the country? And you're going to lay your eyes on that. And and just to say, oh, all right, did we miss anybody or who jumps on that list? Certainly that now that doesn't mean that you're going to recruit them because they're ranked at something. Um, you know, I, 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 we, one of the great, arguably the best performing player in our 20 years here is a left-handed pitcher by the name of Danny Holson, um, you know, ended up being a first round pick and you know, Danny Holson never went to any showcase event, never was never ranked by anything, you know, and he came here and, he turned down a lot of money out of high school. He came here and pitched for three years and was the third pick overall in the major league draft. And, and uh, nobody knew who he was from the ranking standpoint. So yes, we lay our eyes on them because does it add names for us to maybe go see and things like that, but where they're, they're ranked, you know, uh, not so much. It's like, we, you know, we have our contacts out there. You right. tell me, you tell me about a pitcher or a player. We're going to go see that guy. But just uh, we have to lay our eyes on them ourselves. We're not going to take it just from a website. Well, I think it's important because a lot of times I think the narrative for the parents is driven by what's happened in the past, meaning uh, we've had X number of players go on to play at Division One baseball. We've had X number of players go on to be drafted. But at the end of the day, this is a very unique individual evaluation process that each university and coaching staff undertakes. Not all players are fit for certain colleges. Not all colleges are fits for all student athletes. And so in the world of this ever-growing beast known as social media, um, just as as Coach O'Connor stated, just run your own race. You know, don't I always give it the rabbit and the and the the turtle and the and the rabbit. Be the turtle. Take your time and be the four S guy. Size, strength, speed, and scholar. You know, not necessarily in that order. And if you take the time, one of the initiatives that I'm undertaking with Little League and college baseball is the pathway to the parent. 
meaning you have to have better education to understand the numbers and how challenging the environment is, regardless of what level or division in college. Whether it's a Division three program, an NAIA program, University of Virginia, uh, ACC, SEC, college baseball, college athletics is a challenging environment for any and all students. And to be a student athlete, is it takes a very specific skill set, both internally, mentally, physically. And it's something that you need to work towards and not run, just run blindly towards. You have to really pay your dues over the course of that junior high and high school level. So, Brian, I, I want to say thank you. I have one last question. Sure. But first, I want to extend a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hopefully see you in uh, Nashville in, in a couple of weeks. Um, one of the great things that we're doing by allowing parents and student-athletes to hear from coaches such as Coach O'Connor is to hear the truth, their truth. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Every coach brings something different. And I, I really steadfastly believe as a parent, there are two boys, uh, two, excuse me, two coaches that in my heart I knew I could turn my son over and they would make them better men. Wasn't worried about baseball. And sometimes we get lost in this sea of analytics and metrics and velocities and exit velocities. At the end of the day, I have seen uh, the student athletes that come out of the program with Coach McMullen uh, and, and Coach O'Connor. They're better men. They're polite. Heck, I ran into Derek Fisher and, and, and Matt Deese uh, as professional athletes. And we talked about 2014 and 2015. And it was fun. It was engaging. But I have to tell you, they looked me in the eye. They shook my hand. They were engaging. They were polite. All a testament, in my belief, not only to the parents, but to the coaching staff at UVA. Coach, I have one last question, and that is, if you could wave a magic wand, you yourself, you know, you're the Division I committee chair, and you're standing up and you say, okay, we're going to make this change. Would you bring more scholarships? Would you bring more coaches? I guess I'm going to give you the flexibility of give me a few, but do you foresee these changes ever coming in our lifetime with baseball being recognized on the same level as football and basketball with regard to scholarship and coaching? Uh, well, first of all, Walter, thank you for those kind words. I, I really, really appreciate it. That, that, that means the world to me because, you know, ultimately you want people to um, have trust and belief and faith that, um, delivering their son to you and you having care for them as the most important thing we do. So thank you. Um, you know, if, if I had that, that magic wand, um, I, you know, I, I don't know that we will ever be football and basketball. And from the resource standpoint, I, I, I see that being tough to do unless there's some kind of break off. And what I mean by that is maybe, you know, there's 60 or 70 Division I college baseball programs that are doing more than everybody else, uh, kind of like football, right? Um, you know, we have 300 Division I schools in baseball uh, competing at the highest level. Uh, football doesn't have that with one double A and things like that. So unless there's some kind of separation, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really difficult, but because can candidly, there's, there, there's, there's not a whole lot of athletic departments in this country. Uh, the, the common 
people don't understand this. There's not many of them actually out there that, that make money. Right. Most of them are losing money. So I understand everybody wants, 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 but you have to have the resources to be able to do it. Uh, I do hold out a lot of hope, and I really believe in my time as a coach, 51 right now, in my time as a coach, that we will get more scholarships and we will have more coaches. I really believe that. I'm hopeful that we have more coaches in two months. I'm hoping that announcement comes. I, I really, you know, whether a particular school can pay for them or not, just the opportunity to be able to do it if you can keeps our game growing and moving forward. Walter, we are the platform. We are the resource for Major League Baseball. Exactly. We are the the feeder system. And if you look at the last decade, we as the feeder system, the graph has went like this. We're feeding. In the the last two years, it has gone like this. You know, and yeah. So I, I think us having the ability to have the appropriate amount of coaches, um, doing a little bit more for the student athletes. I'm so excited. I'm happy that things like, you know, things have been passed to allow avenues for athletes to supplement a little bit, uh, especially that we don't have the, you know, all the scholarships, some of their sports. So I'm hope you brought up the two. Those have always been, you know, my two, there's, there's a conversation and argument about do we need to move the season back? in order to be able to make more money, to have more scholarships, as much as I would love that, I just don't know if that's really feasible. Um, But certainly that would lead towards more schools being able to generate revenue, which could lead to better things down the road. But hey, listen, we are in a unbelievable place compared to where we were a decade ago, two decades ago, and three decades ago, where, I mean, college baseball has just exploded. Look at these stadiums and everybody on television and, and all that. It is a awesome game. And boy, if we could ever do those two things, I just think it would continue to explode. I think it has to, at some point, Brian, I think major league baseball has to invest in the, in the U.S., in the inner cities, in the sport of baseball, particularly college baseball, because if we just take a, just a look, a brief look into elimination of 42 short season teams, reduction of number of student athletes that are drafted from 40 rounds to 20 rounds, 1,500 student athletes down to 650 to 700. They're all but screaming, hey, college baseball, you guys develop these guys and we'll come in and we'll pick the greatest guy. So if I had a wish, my wish would be if it has to be done through the emergence of a super mega conference of 100 schools or whatever the number is. But put some put some financial, uh, you know, development resources into the sport at the college level. Heck, do it at the junior college level, do it at the NAI level. But you got to give these kids the same type of platform opportunity i go to a college basketball i see 15 coaches and trainers and mental health specialists and you know so and that and there's 15 guys on the roster and only five are playing so my point is is these baseball players 
I'm just telling you the stress that a college baseball is under, an athlete is under, is unlike any other sport. And I'm not talking from a physical standpoint. I'm talking about a mental grind. It starts, you know, in January. It goes all the way, if you're fortunate enough, into June. Heck, I remember a student athlete from Stanford pitching in a super final game and having to take a, a, a calculus final yeah. at 9 a.m. and pitch at noontime. I mean, I just think about that and say, man, oh, man, if we had better resources here, we'd, we'd be able to get a lot of this done. So, Brian, my hope is that someday we get to talk down in Nashville and talk some of the things we're trying to work on with regard to Little League Baseball. I've talked to Tim. Uh, I've talked to uh, Eric Backage, a few other guys, and we really want to create this kind of this PSA, this pathway to the parents to really allow them to understand you're not too late. There's always going to be opportunity if you're working for it. Don't worry about the eighth and ninth grade and you're not getting any type of correspondence from Coach O'Connor or Coach Mack, you know, with the scholarship opportunity. It's okay. So, so Brian, I, I want to say thank you again. Heartfelt thank you. I appreciate your time. We've gone over a little bit today. I look forward to spending some time with you uh, in the spring, if, if not Nashville. I will be down in your neck of the woods because my stepdaughter goes to uh, Clemson. So we'll be down in Charlottesville and watch some uh, college baseball down there. Well, thanks, Walter. Thanks for having me on. Every, yep. Everybody have a great night. Thank you very much. I want to let everybody know. First, I want to say a special shout out to Jax Roberts out there in Northern California, big baseball fan, uh, Oakland A's fan. Uh, and I want to say, Jax, keep working hard. We're doing all of these coaches' corners. Baseball Blue Book is sponsoring the whole thing. I'm proud to be a part of that family. Looking forward to growing that opportunity. One stop. Anything and everything to do with baseball can be found in the Baseball Blue Book. Next Thursday, we have Jim Foster, newly appointed head coach at Northwestern University, formerly of West Point. Uh, and we will get started at 9, 9 p.m. Eastern time. want to thank everybody for taking the time to be with us this evening. And until next Thursday, enjoy your holiday. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. All right, bud. <laughs>